0: well hello everyone i'm pat lynch and welcome to the career pathways podcast as always i'm joined by our team say hello (laughs) gavin brunson hello and way way in the back Yep. So producer Jason's out there mounting the board, and as we say, making the magic happen uh, today. Uh, our guest is Dr. Marcus Birkencraw, assistant professor of data science at Lyon College, and th- what we're going to talk about today is data science, AI, cyber security, yes, uh, and uh, all you know, all things in between. So, hello, Marcus. Hello. Uh, this is <laughs> good been, to be here. Been very much looking forward to this. Okay. Uh, the first question, you, just a real broad one, is just tell us about yourself. Now, from your accent, I, I'm trying to pick where in Arkansas you are exactly from. <laughs> yeah, it's not and far you'll have from to here. Help me. It's you'll not very far from here. Okay. <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I feel it's like 10 million miles away. Oh, okay. <laughs> so right. it's nowhere near in Arkansas. Now, I'm originally from Germany, mm-hmm. I'm from the uh, southwest of Germany. Okay. Catholic South and, uh, I came here from Berlin. So the last, uh, 15 years before I came to Arkansas two years ago, I've spent in Berlin in Germany mm-hmm. and that's my also my, uh, my, uh, my home country, oh, okay. though I, I've been around the world quite a bit,
0: but, uh, and kind of walk us through like your, ed- your, your education, your, okay. uh, your, uh, professional background.
1: Okay. So I'm originally a, um, theoretical particle physicist. Mm. Mm-hmm so um my um, and i got distracted from physics because i'm one of the original developers of the world wide web i was at cern in switzerland and uh, so i left physics and worked for a number of years in industry worked for accenture which is a large strategy consulting firm and then for shell Dutch shell um and uh lived in london lived in uh, italy for a few years um studied in a bunch of places lived in the netherlands yeah. um and uh have, i led teams all over the globe and at some point uh we had a child and mm-hmm. we lived in london at the time and london has really crap uh playgrounds it's really not a city set <laughs> up for for children really right. that's why you never in london films you never see children you, they're always on the countryside right. not in london And so we thought we've got to get away and so we moved very far away we moved to new zealand Mm -hmm. so i had a guest professorship in new zealand and that gave me back the taste for teaching and learning and uh, then i became a professor in uh, germany in berlin for business informatics Mm -hmm. which is basically it for business people marketing uh, accounting uh, anything like that yeah and so um uh, and then at some point I decided I want to do something else and uh, became a visiting professor here in Lyon mm-hmm. College uh, two years ago. Yeah.
0: And, then, and, and yeah. now I live here.
1: And, and now, now people ask me, like, where are you from in Arkansas? And actually, you <laughs> could, I wish you could see me today because I've actually, I'm playing the part today. I don't look like <laughs> I normally look. My I walked into uh, my house uh, at lunchtime and my daughter said, oh, you're from around here. <laughs> because I wear cowboy boots, Gavin can confirm. Is that true? He has yes. cowboy boots and uh, you know uh, worn-out jeans and uh, and a vest and a plaid shirt. Right. So you know I'm just stepping out of my pickup truck truck just to drop by here <laughs> at, the,
0: <laughs> at the radio. You had a trucker hat yeah. and you no. got the whole ensemble. No, no, but you would
1: you probably even without me opening my mouth, you would know I'm not from here. Yeah. What? But I do live here now. Yeah. So we have a house in uh, on Main Street in Batesville. Yep. And I live with uh, three dogs, two cats, mm-hmm. um, and my family.
0: You know, uh, you were at the beginning of the World Wide Web. Yes. You have to tell us about that. That, that's just, that just is Just okay, I really have only a
1: private story about
0: that. <laughs> there, well, all, no, the other, all the other stories it, are kind of.
1: No. Okay, what happened is um that I was a um I was a graduate student in physics. Mm-hmm. So i got my PhD, was getting my PhD and uh something, yeah. I think I was still getting my PhD, and uh, uh there were there was there were, there was a need to get to sources that weren't available where I studied, which was in, in Hamburg at the time, which has a big particle accelerator like at CERN. And so um you know, scientists, physicists, which is a very old community, were already working together at the time, but they were trying to figure out better ways to share information. which wouldn't evolve, you know, I create something, I send it to you, you send it to Gavin, Gavin sends it to uh, to you, and so on, goes around. Uh, instead, everybody should hold on to their stuff, and all I share with you is a link. And so I'm still working on it, and you get the link. And that's the idea of the web. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by engaging with that, I became part of a, You know small community the center of whom was tim berners lee who actually uh, can count as the inventor of the web Mm -hmm. even though there were lots of other people involved and after a little while i uh, you know i was uh, a maintainer of the first virtual library and i maintained a library of software in stanford and did all kinds of stuff all over the place without ever going there because the proto-web the first time the web was created was just like that it was really just a support infrastructure for scientists, primarily physicists. And then what happened is uh, Mark Andreessen, uh, you may know him right. by name. Right. So, um,
0: yeah. So I had a lot of, electric a lot venture capitalists, but was it Netscape? Was yeah, it exactly. There? He was yeah. the original. He yeah. was
1: actually at a research center right. in uh, Illinois, I think, and uh, created the first browser. Mm-hmm. And that is when it all took off. So it's a little bit like, uh, a bit like, um, you know, if you made the most fascinating radio shows, but nobody knows about it and suddenly, Somebody uh, creates a line from here to everywhere. And so suddenly everybody hears these great radio shows. And, yeah. <laughs> and that's where it took off.
0: Well, what was the vision of the World Wide Web back then versus how it, what, oh, that's what a, it became? That's a great question because also, yeah. like, uh, it's kind of like relevant. kind of like AI right now. Yeah, it's now, kind parallels. of chat GPT, you know. But
1: yeah. um, it was actually quite similar in the sense that um, you know, the idea was to just, you know, give back to the world. Scientists mm-hmm. were doing basically what they enjoy doing. It's not really a slave trade right. uh, being a scientist, but you do what you uh, like doing and get paid for it. Not very well on the other mm-hmm. hand. And so, <laughs> and so the idea was really to give, give something back and support the community at the same time. Uh, so the idea was always for this to be completely open as it actually has turned out to be, right. I mean, the web is supported by governments, yeah. but it's pretty much of an open, open right. space. Now the additional issue of free speech—that's sort of a superstructure on top right. of the web—but that's really like a little bit like you know you give somebody a weapon. What are they going to do with it? You know, right. are they going to put it on the in a glass case on the wall, or are they going to use it to shoot someone? Right. So it's a bit like that, and so it was meant to be an open thing, and that's where it's turned out to be. I think. I mean, what is not uh, I think was anticipated is the fact that it turned into such an entertainment
0: platform. right?
1: And that uh, there were so many commercial because of that there were so many commercial interests that however haven't been able to really destroy it but piggyback it in such a way yeah. that um it's now often harder to find the actual content among all the crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> which was made, created for entertainment now there's also a lot of good entertainment stuff mm-hmm. of course but yeah so th- th- i don't think anybody anticipated it would take off as a what what is it as a substitute for all books and for any form of of knowledge, which is what essentially it has knowledge, become
0: knowledge, uh, uh, where the source where people yeah. get their news, yeah. you know, and all, all of a sudden yeah. traditional yeah. news outlets, you know, all of a sudden found that they, they yeah. were, uh, you know, that, that they got left to the side. Yeah. I mean, it just you know
1: it has really dis what's the word disrupted? It's yeah. disrupted. Right not just an in industry but our way of communicating yeah. and writing and actually ultimately thinking mm-hmm. the reason why we talk about you know computational thinking and digital literacy and all that the word literacy really has to do with you know reading the book right. and digital is because of that so it's a bit like a um, you know the old greek story the pandora box mm-hmm. so it, <laughs> you could look at it that way right or you could look at it as an unfolding story whose end we don't know yet i prefer the latter version because otherwise i'd be quite guilty
0: <laughs> <laughs> having
1: been implicated i mean not in any big way right i mean i'm not when i'm not an inventor of anything i just right. happened to be at the right place at the right, right. time and that was a good moment oh that
0: was-
2: yeah gavin well <laughs> to piggyback off your uh astonishing accolade correct me if i'm wrong but in 1994 you won the best of the web award
1: yes that's right actually that's the was the private story that was gonna tell because oh. there was <laughs> there was a first worldwide my students actually from the classes know this maybe i really told it to you when i'm a little more lightheaded in class and i go and want to warm up people to my uh, german personality you know germans are by nature humorless so it's you know you need these little anecdotes to get people to like you mm-hmm. so i tell this story about the first world world web conference so in 94 which was only like few years after the actual inception of the web, there was this first conference. And I was one of the, uh, the speakers there. And I won a, a couple of awards for the best campus-wide information system and, and two awards or something like that. Anyway, the story is that I was giving a talk. And uh, in that talk, I sort of was uh, talking about relationships on the web. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I have over 100 friends on
0: the web. Which at the time it was a lot. That was a huge
1: number. <laughs> I mean, there were, I don't know how many web servers there were at the time. So places where you could actually find web content, but I knew them all by heart and knew the numbers, the addresses, basically. So 100 was a lot. And actually, I was a nerd. So having 100 friends was a big thing, too. I don't think I had any <laughs> friends at the time. Yes. So, and in the audience, there was a woman. And this was a conference also of nerds. There were like 700 people there, mostly computer scientists and physicists, and like two women. And, uh, one woman was in the audience. And when, when I said that, she laughed yeah. really nastily. And afterwards she came up to me and said, you're know, like, are you, you're crazy. I mean, those aren't real friends. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and to, and now I've been married for 30 years. <laughs> oh, okay okay <laughs> so, so i um oh, you know i i, I didn't see that word. one she hitched that. her no yeah. you didn't did you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's how i met my wife basically okay nice yeah so, so that's uh, that's what i remember that conference
0: is the place where
1: i met my wife and not at the place <laughs> where i won awards <laughs> yeah
0: understandably yeah so so was that like the first uh like match or tinder or, you know they <laughs> <laughs> no 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 actually i'm really not you can claim it uh, a, yeah was no a, <laughs> because we met in real life and i oh, no okay. it took off in real life yes. it was no no
1: no i didn't know her at all before and uh, i don't know I, this morning a uh, couple of students no three students gave a talk about ai mm-hmm. about a um, you know a, a chatbot for like ev bot or uh, you know like a, for uh, people who look for relationships. Yes which mm. you, can, you can sort of abuse ChatGPT in that direction. Not very well, because it's yeah. relatively well. secure. It's not really a bot you can flirt with. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm very critical of those attempts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of really? of signing. I think it's really worthwhile to still meet people and, you know, shake hands, yeah. hug them. <laughs> it's overrated. <man>. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, uh, what you it, it, to- it brings me to the yeah, fact that yeah. many, many, when I go to the, The do's here, like Highland House, and so you always run into couples. And if you dig and ask, where did you meet? It's usually Lyon College. Yeah, (laughs) they were both students at Lyon College. Mm -hmm. So
0: absolutely, Uh, shift gears. Data science. What's that? (laughs) We're (laughs) going to find out. (laughs) That's our goal right now. Is to no, but find that out and uh, kind of can you define it and then also tell us like how do you teach it? Okay.
2: Um, can you
1: define it? Well, it's uh, it's notoriously hard to define mm-hmm. because it's an interdisciplinary topic. Sort of, you know, you throw some. Yeah. Do you know this uh, uh, asterix and obelix comic rip? No, no. It's a it's a European comic, a French comic strip. Yeah. Anyway, they are they are druids, and they always have a giant um, pot, mm-hmm. and so yeah, they throw stuff in and they pull a, some uh, drink out of it that is, has superpowers. Okay, and mm-hmm. data science, like if you throw into that big vessel you throw a pot you you throw in some math some statistics uh you throw in some computing um and you throw in and that's really the most important part a lot of domain knowledge so for right. example you would throw in your marketing right. knowledge pattern right what are you passionate about gavin
2: basketball sports yeah sports. Basket,
1: basketball yeah, yeah. information about, but you throw that in that's your domain mm-hmm. so if you wanted to and then you could do data science so the data even though the word sounds like you know it should be sort of Above everything is really hitched to your. Mm-hmm. You're a good data scientist if you have actually domain knowledge and something you care about. I would say. Right. And so then, data science, if you were to define it from that, is a way to unlock whatever is hidden in terms of patterns mm-hmm. in the data. Right. You know, ideally, people say stories, and um, uh, you know you can actually call it that, but there may not be stories you can you make novels with, but they're still interesting stories. At the beginning, right. it's just a table full of numbers right. and and words, and at the end, people sit there, you know, and like, wow, I didn't have any idea that this was behind the numbers, that this was going on. That's a typical data science
0: response. Because uh, like I know, like my, you know, I, I look back on my business career, and and you know, we would have these like mind-numbing, you know, uh, Excel files, and it would have all this data They're still around, and, <laughs> and it would be yes. How do you turn that into? Yeah. It's like there's data, and then there's information, yeah. and that, that was always what I was taught. Is okay now. What is the what? What's the story yeah. that's that that's being told? Uh, as far as like with data science as taught here, then it's it, is it based around predictive modeling and data visualization? Well, th- those activity? are
1: actually subfields or sub oh, you know, really? specializations okay. in yeah. data yeah. science. I mean, what you said rings true as well because another way to explain it, I mean, it's really like the kind of thing that you would explain in a different way to a different person. Mm-hmm. But actually, really, that's true for math as well. Right. You know? I mean, if you talk to somebody who wants to know what math is, you do not talk to them like a mathematician who knows what's on the inside. You try to talk to them what's on the outside. You know, what does mathematics kind of do for you? Right.
2: right? Mm-hmm. So
1: for a business person, what data science can do for you is help you make better decisions. That's what it's ultimately right. about. So, but something like a decision is very, very high up in the air. You know, it could be a complicated decision, it could be a really simple decision. Take weather. Right? Weather is largely based on data science, predictive data science. Right. Uh, but the decisions around it are fairly simple namely, what am I going to wear today?
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Uh, but then when you talk about somebody to make decisions, I don't know, about uh, what we just talked about relationships, mm-hmm. yeah? Tinder, these, these uh, algorithms, they match features that they recorded right. from many people and try to predict a match. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's a completely different one. Or take a third example. You may remember this was a data science talk, Dr. Pryor a few weeks ago mm-hmm. coming here right. from the uh, University For of cancer. Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. And he was doing cancer research, but he's essentially a data scientist who is interested in uh, supporting life or death decisions, namely these X-rays, these pictures, do they spell cancer? or not and should we start with diagnosis should we start with treatment or not yeah so these are but it's it's still all the same data science but from the examples you may already infer and that was your other question namely how do you teach it what do you have to teach and data visualization would be a course in the program uh, that is specifically suited for people who want to use data to visualize or to to visualize their data now that could be a basketball player Who's interested in looking at statistics from different games and finding out, you know, who's on top, who's who's, what's the consistent playing over many mm-hmm. over many games? Mm-hmm. Now, if you are in the room and you know these people, you can say that yourself. But if you all you have is that the tables of their data, you may want to see that as a curve, mm-hmm. and you can see actually who's on top. That's the highest curve. That's a visualization. Right. So, um, but uh, the general teaching here, the data science program we have, is aligned with the what we call the pipeline, which mm-hmm. is at the beginning, there are the raw data, right? Like the playing in the boss, basketball, the, the actual sales data in mm-hmm. business, or what was my other example, the x-rays, you know, the medical images. And at the very end is the visualization and the storytelling and in between. You have a bunch of different steps in the program. We have to unfortunately cover them all. So the next step after having the data is to make the data clean, to make them tidy or, or, um, you know, clean them up to the point that you can actually look at them and work with them. So that's what we call data engineering. Mm-hmm. And then you move into modeling, which is where you think about what algorithms are useful. Um, how can I transform the data? For example, uh, for the more mathematically minded ones, if I have exponential data, you know, what happens mm-hmm. if I take the logarithm? Then exponential data become linear data as a result. That's a transformation. So in that bit is where you know you have more mathematical skills. You need that. And uh, then you move on into um, uh, data visualization and finally data storytelling, where you meet with your the customers mm-hmm. of your data science project. But it's really a whole pipeline, which is, um, I'm sure, the same in marketing right. and in, in all areas that you begin with something raw and you end up with something refined. Mm-hmm. And you need to learn how to get from the raw to the refined.
0: Yeah, and with visualization, I always see it as just, how to do that. It's almost like final presentation. Yes. Yeah, that,
1: well, there's, there's actually more. There's exploration. Okay. I missed that out in the middle. Yes. Like between, before you model, uh, you explore the data. So you you look at data, like t- tabular data, just like, you know, Jason looks at uh, the audio files, you know, and you you see a pattern somewhere. Uh, the volume is too high, you know, and you, then you, and that's already a visualization because you already see the curve, but you, all you have is the numbers. You want to first make a quick plot. That's not suited for mm-hmm. a final presentation. So there is visualization at the very end, which thinks about the colors. For example, if you have, you know, any form of impairment, color impairment or so, you I mean, need to think about that. Right. You know, if you have people who, uh, I don't know, are used to a particular type of or style of data or visualization, you need to serve their visual needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so there's visualization comes in play all throughout. Yeah. yeah really. It's, now. Uh, Go ahead. Ask, um, hey, you on the off. <laughs> this a stranger ask, walking in. I yeah. Like, hey, I in, I uh, <laughs> no, I
2: was going to ask. People so we'll talk about it, like uh, data when it comes to, like, oh, Facebook sells data. Yes. Is that considered the same type of data? Like, is,
1: is that like a subcategory? Like, market? no. I say, that's a good point. No, the mm-hmm. I mentioned the word earlier. The data that are sold on are typically raw data. And um, what what Facebook or others, what pretty much any environment where you move around and you leave a digital trace, uh, what they measure is particular features. And so some of the features are private, some are not so much. It's a bit like a person, person walks through a room with, with boots on and, you know, you actually see the footprints. Are they dirty? Are they big? Are they small? Is he wearing gum boots? Is he wearing leather shoes? Stuff like that. And those features are obviously recorded by Facebook, by TV. Uh, but pretty much by the phone companies, by the providers, um, that's the kind of data we're talking about. So they are raw and uh, they don't unlock themselves. So you could actually say that, you know, without uh, quite sophisticated data science, those data are as useless as, you know, I don't know, looking from a thousand feet at Batesville and seeing everything that happens. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of stuff happens, yeah. Mm -hmm. But until you get on the ground and you you Mm -hmm. actually work and analyze the data, you won't have anything to tell. Still, there are enough people who can do that, and therefore, Facebook and other companies are under duress to um, to protect them. And if they don't do it, they're bad.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> so to sort of piggyback, piggyback over what he said, Sorry, I'm talking too much, aren't I? No, uh, no, please. It, 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 you are, You're I'm the a guest. professor. I'm a you professor. are the guest. <laughs> yes. yes. So, like, with um, would data science also be incorporated with like algorithms, like with TikTok and Instagram and Facebook? Oh, yeah, and how yeah. They like. Say I click on a video and I like it, yeah. and then I see more of the same video that's or right. more of the same, is yeah. that the same yeah, absolutely. concept? Absolutely okay. right. Nice. And that's,
1: um, uh, that's a form of, that's kind of a, the simpler form of predictive yeah. algorithm, mm-hmm. uh, which count, counts as uh, supervised learning, where the algorithms are able, based on the feature of your usage features and mm-hmm. other, other users' features mm-hmm. who are similar, is able to predict your next, the next thing you might want to hear, the next track you might Mm-hmm. The style you want, the genre you want to hear, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the singer you want to hear, and so on. So yeah, those are. And then, and from what I understand, I had a, this uh, presentation about TikTok not too long ago, and I don't use it myself, of course. <laughs> um <laughs> it, it Is that uh, they are quite ahead of, far ahead of the game in terms of um, using that to make the platform more addictive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what what I understand. But. On the other hand, most of the users are younger, so maybe yeah. maybe it's easier to make them addicted. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason yeah, says it. nods. Yeah, he's like, he knows all about that. Well,
2: I doing, I I you, um, old- so, yes. So, old, right. Old- so, I was gonna ask,
1: it is regulated in fact in america less than in in uh, in, in europe in europe we have a, a whole legislative act i think it's called gpr i'm not quite yeah. sure that's the abbreviation GDPR. GDPR. thank you and uh which caused a lot of headache you know that yeah pat knows that for companies because they're under it's quite well thought out and puts the companies under a lot of stress to to not just use the data and do whatever they want with it but actually protect them and uh, or put put differently uh, be liable when it comes to it. Now that's kind of interesting because in Europe kind of anything goes, but we have the better laws in, in the U and there's no lit- not much litigation, but in the U S yeah. you don't have the laws, but, uh, you have a lot of litigation. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of out of yeah. sync. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So and they're always, Europe's always been ahead, of regulatory, yeah. acting more. So Where are yeah. we're just commerce focused. So, yeah. so we get what we get. Uh, yeah. A, day, a student taking da- having a data science major what courses would they have to be take. taking yes
1: um well for for most of our listeners who are mm-hmm. <laughs> liberal arts students right. what is actually in, in immediate reach and should be in reach is a data science minor okay. which which is sort of like an additional you know sort of an additional skill that is much sought after that enables you to mm-hmm. To make more sense of the data you work with as a historian, as a psychologist, as a sociologist, as a biologist, even though all these disciplines, of course, have their own statistics Mm -hmm. and statisticians. But the data science uh, major, which sort of enables you to put that degree title on Mm -hmm. your, uh, behind your, next to your name, um, involves uh, some core data science courses, which I teach. Mm -hmm. It involves a bunch of different um, programming languages because um, uh, knowing different languages is a right. is an additional skill and is important. the The, the area data science changes a lot, as you probably know, because ChatGPT and AI is part of the data science field, right. and so it's really an area where n- nobody really knows what kind of skill is the hottest in even in two years time. Mm-hmm. Make that one year. Yeah. <laughs> nobody knows what the hottest skill. However, most of the companies and agencies have sort of baseline skills. Right which are not attached to AI. They're attached to the data they have collected and the people they look after and the products they have produced for many years. So what we need is uh, the ability to analyze data analysts. So there's two core courses uh, in data science, which you can just do on your own. Um, There is a course on databases, which is really important because most of the data in the world um, is stored, must be stored in some shape or form. Right. In that course, you learn, learn through the language SQL, structured query language, how to query those data. Um, what else is in it? Uh, there is a, a course on uh, data structures, mm-hmm. because um, if you have a data science question, how you, how you formulate the question in a way or right. the machine is kind of critical. If you formulate the question in the wrong way, the machine can work for a thousand years and not get an answer. If you hit on the right way, and that's the technical term, for that is data structure, you can do it very quickly. Yeah. And then the next bit, one level higher is algorithms, which Gavin mentioned earlier, where you learn different algorithms for machines. Um, and then there's a, there are a few math classes. So it's calculus one, which you have in most of the science. Uh, it's calculus two, but mm-hmm. those two are like, uh, inverse of one another. One is yeah. differentiation. The other one is integration. Um, and then a, you have to, you can pick a course that is a, a math a math deepening that you like to do. For example, it could be statistics, which is the most relevant one probably in data mm-hmm. science. You know, know things about average, you know, right. distributions, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, or linear algebra, or numerical analysis. You have a choice. So there's there's I would say um, a little more math in it than in computer science, but way less math than in math. <laughs> um, and uh, the mass that is in there, as well as the the programming, is all focused on your domain knowledge again. So what I'd like to to, to attract is uh, people from business, from marketing, right. from psychology, from journalism, because you know there's a, for example, of the books, one of the textbooks I use for the database course on SQL is which is called Practical SQL. It's written by a journalist who found out that he has a real edge as a journalist if he knows something about databases, mm-hmm. uh, and so there is a the field is only uh, under this name only about 10 12 years old right so it that's an extremely young field um that's a little bit like you know uh, like genetics mm-hmm. in genetics in 1965 but right. dna was only discovered yeah. like in 1957 or something like uh, so, so it's then, a, it's a the yeah, very young field so which oh, is why i like yeah. it because i'm so young
0: oh yes indeed. But, uh, don't snicker here <laughs> the uh, so students that yeah. graduate with the data science major minor, yes. what what career opportunities are there for
1: them? So where do our students go or where yes. can they go? Well, a, yeah. I have on the data science page, on the academic page, if somebody wants to see it, I have a, a page where which I try to update with our recent graduates, mm-hmm. but really pretty much anywhere. Based on what I said, there is no business, no agency that doesn't have a need for... Uh, for data analysis, there are some obviously hotter areas like marketing, sales always right. needs that, finance always needs it, right. uh, and then there's particular sh- uh, flavors of data science that are suited for those businesses. um But uh, even in the, I mean, the last because our classes are so small, I almost can like, uh, with your help, of course, mm-hmm. um, almost hand over graduates to companies who right. are in dire need. So we have. People working for um, the last few graduates that I remember that are on this list is like one student went to Sierra Nevada, which is a, a, a military contractor mm-hmm. working in cyber security. We have a student who works as a data analyst for Future Fuel, which is a chemical company. Right. We have a couple of students who work for Big uh, Bad Boy Mowers. Uh, one is a data analyst. One is an IT guy, and so. Um, it's both small, close companies, uh, companies as far away. We have one graduate who works for Riot Games, which probably people know. Yeah, And so what he does actually is data engineering. So he's interested in looking at the data that they get from players and then working them to the level that the company can say, what should we do next? What kind of game should we develop next? You know, what are the numbers? So it's basically... is a very rich field. Uh, we have also uh, connections with alumni. There's a surprising number of data science alumni who didn't ever study that, but they ended up in fields like that. They work as mm-hmm. data analysts for enterprise, for yeah. for the FBI, for um, for construction
0: companies. Well, so um, uh, the uh, the alumni the alum that works at enterprise, the, yes. He, yes, he was a Build student. He, he was a student here. Uh, he was a music student. Yes. Oh wow. And he and he his first career was was he was an, pipe org- organist. an organ builder yeah.
1: and the an organ repairman. Yeah. Yeah. For right. ten years. Yeah. yeah.
0: Very you talked very specialized, you yes. know, that you yes. you have a pipe organ, you know, yes. he'll come um, and then he migrated over to data yes. science. Yes. Now there is a yeah.
1: you could I have not talked to him about this, but yeah there's obviously a deep connection between music and math. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's anybody who gets into music, not just on the playing or let the singing way, but who looks at the actual music and how it's made, right. has to learn some math. Yeah. There are
0: deep Be patterns. The there. The way they read. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In fact, I mean, if you listen to music and you ask people, why you like this? Why don't you like it? Uh, the predictive stuff is based on pattern where people identify there's a certain thing that sounds like that and something not like that. Do you like that? Yeah, then let's do more of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah? And so, exactly.
1: Yeah, so these are pattern sciences. That's another way, besides if you don't like the math and the numbers and you don't care about decisions, the third thing you might care about is patterns, yeah. finding patterns. That's actually my favorite.
0: Let's talk AI. Oh. Yeah,
2: we've been waiting
0: on how do you, know. how
1: does the do the audience how does the audience even know that I am not an AI? How can you did you even make any effort to prove to them that? I'm here. Well, <laughs> or is this may be a very we'll let, smart. We'll let,
0: we're going to leave that up for suspense. Okay. <laughs> a few things. To, a few things. Uh, I was just looking up that one in four venture capital dollars now are based on yeah. AI focused yeah. companies. IBM, you know, which is uh, now fashioning itself as more a data and consulting firm, yeah. is they're saying also, that they're, they're also
1: built. Quantum computers.
0: Well, and they're they're saying eight thousand uh, workers are going to be displaced yeah. through artificial intelligence. McKinsey, yes. major uh, management consulting firm, says about a third of U.S. worker hours will be automated using some form of AI. Even Hollywood is saying that, like for animation, like you think Pixar, Disney, that they're looking at ninety percent voiceover's well that that was the last strike was to uh just uh you know go over and and the one i found real com- uh wrong word comical but interesting that even ceos are saying that there's like almost half that somewhere in the future that their job could be automated in some form or fashion so with you know the use of ai so yeah. All that being said, you know, kind of what's what's your perspective now in terms of how you see AI, you know, now and in the future? I
2: mean,
1: you, you mentioned quite a few applications. The, yeah. the name is, and you said automation, the name is kind of unfortunate AI. I mean, there's a big right. debate how intelligent in terms, which we used to define in terms of human intelligence, mm-hmm. are these applications. And. Most people probably would agree not very much, but some very vocal, smart, and informed people think, no, this is the beginning of new intelligence that was completely going to replace right. us. If that were true, then, of course, it is game over for us. That's, sen- that's sentient.
0: <laughs> yes. yeah. I okay. mean, if that's,
1: yeah. if that's true, then, um, right. you know, uh, commercial interests, from commercial to environmental interests, there's right. a whole spectrum of people who might want to replace or substitute humans who are not really just working there. Right. Because most of the time we don't work very well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Then some of the time we work really well and that's where we beat the machines. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so your question was, where is all this going? Yeah. Some true. people yeah. say we're already over in terms of this. La- so uh, anyway, the, the name is really unfortunate. The, the the technical name for these models, they sometimes call them generative AI. Mm-hmm. That Those are the ones who kick off this venture capital thing because right. it's not like suddenly there's a bigger inflow of money into robotics. Right. That's kind of a stable game. Right. There's not like there's a bigger inflow um actually in anything that is not directly language or right. document related. that those models they're called large language models. Right. They are the ones everybody is so excited about. Yeah. And and if you think about it, how many things you can do with language, I mean, uh, don't they have this saying uh don't don't listen to what somebody says, look at what he does? Yeah. Mm. So yes. that's kind of indicates the the low importance of language when it comes to getting stuff done, yeah <laughs> so so I'm as you can hear probably, well, I'm very excited about the technology right. and really, and we train people in that, and I just finished a an AI seminar with with the students who are also very excited about it. But as we go along, you realize how undeveloped this technology still is, that we have a very long way to go, even if you don't talk about intelligence, um, and then many of these uh, Predictions, I think, are at least they're not unfounded as a trend, but the slope of the trend, the gradient, you know, how quickly we get there is, I think, um, as unfounded as assuming that, you know, most of the hard work in the world is going to be replaced. It won't be because the robots don't have the ability to do that. They still can't stand on one leg. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people can do amazing things on one leg.
0: (laughs) <laughs> people yeah, yeah not you know,
1: sorry that's is that too flippant an
0: answer yeah, oh not at all i mean and, i could put and, some and i'm i'm struggling in terms of how uh we can teach ai you yes. know here at lyon because uh give a quick story that uh i uh, in my digital marketing class yeah. i had an opportunity through hubspot for students to do get an, a, an AI accreditation yeah. and to get a micro internship yeah. in uh in you know working with a company using AI tools to help uh, create uh like basically an email marketing program yeah. and I talked to some of the faculty and and it was you know they they it was like Argh. you know it's just because the only thing we they didn't they, like it. Well yeah cuz AI translates to just a, that it's an effective tool to plagiarize and cheat and it hallucinates and, which yeah. is all true yeah. and uh and so we're kind of missing the value because our students that's going to be their their future yeah that's for, and for they, sure that's and for so sure. then i it's like how do we how do we incorporate that now into our instruction into our our curriculum. I I don't know. I'd love to kind of well, get your thoughts.
1: It, yeah, we, we've talked about it a little bit yeah, offline as yeah. well, but it's obviously different for your topic of teaching, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, than for mine. I mean in my area it's relatively simple. Um I a lot of the teaching revolves around coding and programming mm-hmm. and using those tools. And so the students will use them. So I I my job as a teacher is to know much better how to use them <laughs> and to right. let them use them and comment on their use and uh, ask the students to lay it open how they use them and right. and then point out which you can do at every corner how as a human you could improve on that right uh, so uh, i mean the model i suppose if you wanted to wanted wanted the concept for that is augmented you know so you allow the human to augment its performance with the ai right i think as you said that is completely uh there's no doubt that that's going to happen more and more the danger um and that's probably what many of those people are concerned about is that it's not like ChatGPT, which you have to still switch on and know i want to talk to an ai it's the fact that it's embedded in so many things like you asked the question about tiktok um it's completely embedded there is you know there's no um there's no information about it um and that is something that you can only quote unquote beat or know if you. Get specific training in it. So right. I think I've actually just yesterday was the Mac um, survey. And mm-hmm. I've said, you know, I've offered a whole bunch of different workshops, you know, digital uh, literacy workshops, AI literacy workshops. where I think the students should have little workshops where they learn yeah. about these things. And computer students like, you know, Gavin and others could help with that as well. Right. I think that's what we should do. Absolutely. Uh, of course, not as a mandatory thing. You know, nobody should be yeah. forced to do it. Just like somebody doesn't want to, you know, participate in a certain. Um, movement they can switch their phone off (laughs) you know they don't you can actually live without um, much of the infrastructure but if you want to prepare then you you need knowledge
0: you know going back to earlier you were you were at the forefront of of web Mm -hmm. now here we are at the basically the chat gpt's uh, open ai is one year old so it's really very very new yes uh you know, kind of where do you see this this going because i know there's so much concern the, the europeans are looking at how to how to regulate this mm. the whole blow up with open ai they frankly dispensed with the pretense that it's a non-profit yeah. they've now said okay we're going to be a for-profit yeah. enterprise it's amazing with ten billion dollars from Can't Microsoft, do. will do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so now yes. it's okay. This is this is going to be for commercial purposes that yes. can go several ways, and some of those are not very good. And I, I, I mean, what are your thoughts as far as how do we kind of manage this so that it doesn't destroy our future? You mean as a society? Yes, yes.
1: Well, I, I the the regulation thing that might. Uh, backfire because unlike the, what uh, Jason talked about, the the raw data protection. Um, well, I mean you could regulate it and uh, monitor everything mm-hmm. that happens um, and what the people who are against it say. I'm just going to give both sides. They say this is going to slow it down massively and it's going to leave some people who have deep pockets who can fend off uh, lawsuits uh, in in the advance in the advantage. So you know if you yeah. want this field to grow up. You need to go back to the hippie um, tenet and say, let a thousand flowers bloom. Yeah. But you can only—you cannot let a fl- thousand flowers bloom if you tell everybody exactly what to do. That's right. not the way it works. So it's a, between those two situations. Do you want it safe, but much slower? Yeah. Or do you want it uh, fast, evolving fast, with a lot of diversity, but largely unregulated? Now, you described in the, in the global situation with so many countries having different... Uh, I think the idea... I think, uh, AI regulation worldwide is about as hopeful as, uh, um, as the, uh, you know, the green revolution worldwide. It's also not, not really working out all that right. well, you know, so to get all these players under one hat, that I, I find it hard to believe. Right. So in the, I mean, my, uh, and not only because I came to the US, but my, my view is largely local, I think, mm-hmm. you know. I wouldn't call it libertarian because that's obviously a, another word which right. I don't really understand Americans to understand mm-hmm. it. But what I mean by that is that you need to, you know, you need to worry about your own soul and about your own knowledge in the first place. You cannot wait for, um, you need to obey the law, obviously, and look out, especially if you are in that field, what are the latest developments? But mostly you need to be worried about your own knowledge. Yeah. And then, of course, once you work with companies, you need to pick your companies well, you know, yeah. and your partners, just like you need to pick your friends well when you become a you want to become an adult. You look at who am I having lunch with, who am I having a beer with, yeah. and who am, am I not going to have a beer with, <laughs> you know. And, I, I, and I'm not having any beers anyway because I'm there you go yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. full
0: but, disclosure full disclosure <laughs> yeah this is pg rated uh, but, uh, is it really
2: yes it is uh, i think oh, we've done oh, you, pretty re- well so you ready far? to throw some profanities no out <laughs>
0: when, i tell you when
1: i came from europe i yes. mean those those students fortunately have all graduated yeah but when i came from europe i was a you know i i went to school in london the brits mm-hmm. are terrible they are i was cussing left right and center and, oh. and the faces yes and the faces of the students taught me really quickly that this is not on and so i've seen the light yeah and uh and now i'm really quite happy yeah. not doing it so i will not be profane in the show no i will
0: because you you look at you know like where ai is now and where it's going to be i mean look back at like the web uh with like section 230 here in the mm. u.s that uh what happened was there were the, some of the guidelines weren't there that all of a sudden what people found is it's an incredible tool to spread misinformation yeah. mm-hmm. and now you 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 almost turbocharge yeah. that with ai yeah. you know it's just anybody know, who they can yeah. now
1: they can now make themselves sound not like idiots but like really smart because they, yeah. you, the you you just have to tell chat gpt make it sound really smart Mm-hmm. No, make it sound like Birkenkra talks or like make it sound like yeah. Pat Lynch talks, and you'll get that. To to an approximation. Now, yeah. my answer to that would be, you know, well, I, I don't um I don't deny the sort of the accusation against the technology or the reality of misinformation, mm-hmm. but I would say that um one of the differences between machines and humans is that we have a sense for BS. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean Bachelor of Science. Right. Um, <laughs> we right, ha- right. we have a third sense, right? I mean, uh, given given a minimum of information, or as much as a look in the eye of somebody, right. we are able to understand and draw well, the conclusion. You know, this is authentic, this is true, or this is not true. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so um, the. Uh, so I th- I think that the. Uh, that put differently put in a simpler way i don't think these systems are really going to fool those who don't want to be fooled
0: (laughs) all right (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that's that would be that
1: would be my view at the same time you know uh, and uh, especially coming from germany um you know with the history of nazism and the holocaust and all of that behind uh, germans europeans in general are very very sensitive towards misinformation right you know we have massive laws against people who just think, you know, they can say anything. Right. Yeah? And, uh, and we have done really well with those. It's been turned into a really civilized society. Um, so, I, so that's the caveat. You know? yeah. I'm not saying that people will always yeah. know about what, what's right and wrong. I'm just saying that when push comes to shove, um, uh, we may not be completely at the mercy of these machines. Just, just like now, you know, when I ask a student, is this right or wrong? When they say, oh yeah, yeah I believe that. And I ask, did you check? And they say, no, I didn't check. And I said, do you care? And I said, no, I don't care. But if I asked, did, you know, is this true or right? Yes, this is true. Did you check? Yes, I checked. You know, yeah. because, and why? Because he or she cared mm-hmm, yeah? right. and did the research. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. misinformation is for is another convenience thing. It's for people who don't really care and, uh, you know, maybe who shouldn't care. Mm-hmm. But those people who care will have to do the detective work. And they always had to. You could never well, just believe somebody that what
2: they said was true. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Okay, anything? Question? Oh uh, yes. Kevin is we looking at his notes
2: <laughs> We went on a really serious note. But yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I wanna re- I wanna rewind. Lighten it bit. up. <laughs> it's it's, it's, Pat's fault. it's I'm, I'm a serious guy. guy. <laughs> um, no dad jokes, No. But um <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But with AI, I believe me myself, I'm in like a sort of problem with myself like i'm stuck in the new generation yes and the old generation so news came out i think it was earlier this year that the actor who played darth vader sold his voice ah. to ai yeah. so um what do you think about that like do you think that us being able to use darth vader over and over again new movies new well, kids yeah, yeah. do you feel like we're not letting his legacy like, yeah. live on? That is not
1: less serious than what he said because you could consider that misinformation because people who hear Darth Vader's AI voice will think it's the real Darth Vader. That's really misinformation. Really, they should be taught or told this is not the real guy. Mm -hmm. And for singers, it's probably even more relevant. Now, in our AI seminar, we had exactly that discussion, not about uh, Darth Vader, but about songs. People Mm -hmm. love a singer, but he or she does not sing anymore. But Mm -hmm. I want to hear more songs. I want to hear new songs. Now guess what happens and this is like the BS topic I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Yes the AI can create totally convincing songs. I heard a Johnny Cash song, mm-hmm. but if you look at the words and the music,
2: wow. Mm-hmm. You
1: need to be a really hardcore fan who really didn't doesn't mat doesn't care what he or she hears in order to accept that as the real deal. Mm-hmm. So this comes back to and this may change, but this comes back to the fact that it is still possible for some discerning voice, especially a fan, mm-hmm. to distinguish the real article from the false article. Mm-hmm. So th- this is yeah. a good example for what I just said. Now, only people who don't care, like, no, I want to hear Darth Vader. I want to hear Johnny Cash, no matter what. I love Johnny Cash. I've listened to every one of his songs for a million times. I want to hear a new song, mm-hmm. and it can give it to you. But will this person, you know, in the middle of the night, sort of wake up and think, ah, oh, this wonderful Johnny Cash song? No, I think. I think they put the AI material to one side, mm-hmm. and the real D, the real Patrick Lynch, the real yeah. Marcus, the real Gavin on the yeah. other side.: Yeah, that's how you know I'm not an AI. Well,
0: In <laughs> that, that example, James Earl Jones, his, his yeah. family, they, they gave permission to use it. The scary thing is when all of a sudden now I know the, a studio just decides, okay, that we're going to go create our own material because uh, didn't they do yeah. that with well, a drake song was ai generated that's mm-hmm. the one yeah 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 yep. had, and and he had nothing to do with it and yeah. that's like
1: and they could put words in his mouth that he would never sing
0: yeah mm-hmm. and, and that all and now all of a sudden that is you misinformation. know you've lost all the artists have lost their yeah. intellectual property yeah. to the you know yeah. and the machines have yeah. started to take what really She mm-hmm. um, in one in 2016. So AI yeah. was- Because
1: she was dead. Yeah. She, she was, yeah, she was dead by that point. Yeah. yeah. but you mm-hmm. see, what, what I yeah. think is that there is a, dis- for humans, not, there is a, maybe for machines too, I think you probably write a program to do that, but there is a discernible quality difference. Yeah, and uh, if you only went one one exam, one reason why that is so, for the studio to do the AI is, of course, a lot cheaper.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot fewer, yeah. pe-
1: much fewer people look at this AI product, at the writing, at everything than when you have real people involved. Mm-hmm. So uh, already as a consequence yeah. of that, the quality of anything people are involved is, you know, is disgustingly difficult and takes long and they do everything wrong and you have to pay them so much money. But the quality is human quality. The AI is going to be all cheap, all free, and it's mm-hmm. going to be like toys from China.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Okay, bad. Yeah. They break. Since, since, <laughs> yeah. since I've been the serious one in this conversation, oh. <laughs> let's get back to serious. No uh, question on uh, uh, coding and learning to code. Yes. How is that going to change in a world of AI?
1: But I have a poster all over campus which says anyone can code, and so right, um, right. yeah. Uh, that's going to change a lot, though. Mm-hmm. And um, um, there's a worrying side to it, and then there's a positive side to it, right. Um, and then there's a neutral side to it. The neutral side is that people who love coding, who have become experts at it, uh, will use augment augment right. their coding with AI and make it even more effective and faster. Uh, the uh, um, the uh, not so good side of the story is that a lot of people will be coaxed into believing there are great coders, but actually it's the AI who does the coding. Right. And as soon as they have a real problem and the AI doesn't know what to do anymore, which is, Happens really quickly right. at a very small code depth and comp- problem complexity. Uh, they are out of their depth, and and the problem is that they think they can code, but they can't. Right. And the dangerous part of that is that as a lot of software is uh, security, not not just the mis. I mean, mm-hmm. there's the misinformation bit, like you know uh, the uh, the protection of of truth part, but there's mm-hmm. also you know protecting airplanes in the sky, um, utilities, electricity. You know, all those things, they're all run on software. <clears throat> and the fact that they are that they run is based on uh, human maintainers, right, basically. Right. So if you increasingly main, replace those human maintainers by AI, the world may be in for some harsh surprises. So that's yeah. what I'm a little worried about. But most of the AI will be used in areas when nobody kind of cares except the consumers, which is web development and stuff like that. Sure. You know, if a website goes down or not, that's not a tragedy. No.
0: <laughs> Well, and building a web, you know, building new web pages yeah. and everything that, uh, you know, I've even seen, you know, in my time, you know, how much easier it oh. is where it used to yeah. be. So, I mean, low code, low code yeah. and no
1: code used to be a thing even right. before ChatGPT. Yes. And uh, I would have said exactly the same thing then. Um, so, if you want to, if you care about it, I mean, to every student, I don't quite understand why at line or most other universities, everybody is not forced to at least take one, you know, low level coding course to get basically understand the language. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit like you make people, you let people lose in a society where everybody speaks a particular language. Everybody who is, you know, does important things, uh, but uh, you don't care if they even know the alphabet. (laughs) And so giving some basic training, I think is, would be really, really useful. Like, you know how you're to take, like, I think that class, would be right? totally. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I like cannot language. speak for the people who currently teach the language classes because they would probably have a word to say about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but <laughs> I, we just yeah. had Doc, yeah, James Martell yeah. on Mondays. So. Yeah,
1: I don't. I mean, they. Uh, honestly, actually, my instinctive answer would be: why I think administratively that would be great, and then as a the result, everybody would do that, maybe, or many people would. I don't think it's really very fair, not just to the language students, but. Natural language, which is what we're talking about, is so much more fun and so much more difficult than computer language. There's no comparison whatsoever. The reason why ChatGPT is so good at coding assistance is because programming languages are so terribly primitive. You know, they have to be primitive because the machines that run them are primitive. And so that is not true for natural language, for spoken language. Mm. So I don't think they're equivalent. And because they're not in principle equivalent, I don't think that would work. As much as I would like the idea.
0: Do we, uh, at Lion, do we, uh, mention cybersecurity. Do we, uh, do you teach yeah,
1: that, anything? I te- in well, it cybersecurity is, is a huge data science growth area. Yes. Even though it does, it's not in the title, but mm-hmm. actually what it relies on is um, making sense not in the story sense but certainly in terms of visualization in terms of monitoring of huge amounts of data that are growing all the time namely when an attack happens or when no attack happens to find out right. what is there a pattern of attack that's kind of the core of, of cyber security and many students have asked for that so I'm now developing a course for the summer oh. uh, for cyber security with a certificate and I would actually like to turn that as well as the like the programming into a micro-credential thing. So mm-hmm. there's an idea line uh, pushed, pushed by the provost and um, uh, a few professors who have worked on that for a bunch of uh, years to actually uh, turn some of the courses into micro-credentials. So students who don't want to take a whole course or degree can take that skill, but also people from outside the college could do that. And I, I would love that because it would fill up the classes also with people who have, you know, real. Problems, not just student problems, sure. real problems outside in the real world, life, yeah. Yeah. real life problems. I mean, student problems are real life problems, <laughs> but our world is kind of a protected little bubble in, in some mm-hmm. in some areas.
0: Well, what are you what are you uh, going to be teaching uh, in spring? In the spring, I. Look at the the posters. posters. I see, well, I see them every day. Yeah, yeah, because you you see them every day. Radek Radek
1: Shulgar (laughs) stopped me a few days ago and said, you know what I'm going to do next year? I'm going to make a poster that everybody will look at because it says not from (laughs) Markus (laughs) Birkenkraft. And I thought it was both a little mean, but also accurate. So I'm sorry for the posters. Now, all the posters, the art on the posters is all generative AI.
0: Rodic was using my account to create. He sent me some posters, so watch out. Oh, there you <laughs> go. So oh, it's a, it's he's a fully cool. armed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, just like... um, I know. He's just, he's just
1: they're just sucking me dry. Yeah. Now, anyway, so um, I'm teaching um, uh, introduction to programming yes. for in, in C plus which is not so much an AI language, but very much for games, mm-hmm. uh, particularly for games, but for anything also that's industry relevant. You right. space spacecraft. You know. Um, Anything that uh, that has a uh, has sort of a hard metal edge, but also needs to do something, needs C++ and games. So I'm teaching that. Um, and uh, I'm teaching databases, which is the SQL thing I talked about earlier. So, you know, making sense of data in tables, basically and I'm teaching operating systems, Windows is an example, Linux is an example for operating systems, and I'm a very great friend of open source software, I don't like Windows all that much, I like Linux a lot, um, because it's all open and you can actually do a lot of stuff with it, so um, as a result, uh, we're going to do this, all course, is going to be about Linux. Um, And what else am I doing? There's something else. I know it. Oh yeah. And I'm doing an advanced uh, introduction to advanced data science, which is the second course in a line, but people can get a waiver for the first course if they want to do it. And for the first time I'm going to uh, do it in Python as well as R. Mm-hmm. So I've got a different languages. So the top languages in data science that you need to watch out for our Python are Python R, and SQL. Yeah,
0: awesome. the, with the, the HATS competition, the, the st- uh, yes. students that were yes doing the robotics what's your programming group, like, my what?
1: group should have won but they didn't i don't know what
0: happened <laughs> <laughs> did you you, group you are you uh, an election denier
1: no 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 uh, i was sorry to hear that they didn't win. yes yeah and uh, i wish they
0: had but yeah the robots you mean yeah well, was that what program Oh, yeah. programming languages used yes that
1: was a uh, there was another type of language all these languages are completely interchangeable yeah. so if you have a program in python you can turn it program in r into a you cannot turn it in program in sql because that's slightly different but this language was a block-based visual language so yeah. people know that from scratch which is a language that kids also learn where you have all the commands in blocks right. and you can drag and drop them into a program and yeah but while yeah. that sounds just like fun is actually you can do everything in that language and so we did, did program some yeah. games but we also used it to program some robots that we didn't build but that were fun to use because they have a lot of sensors and they can uh, they can do everything but fly so the students yeah. were and this was fun because i didn't know in how little time i could get the students to do so much and so i was very very impressed with that incoming uh, group
0: no, it was what they did. Yeah. yeah. No, it was I mean, great. we only had
1: 50 minutes uh, a week, and many of those classes didn't happen for various reasons, right. and holidays and so on. The Americans, I mean, in Europe, everybody says, oh, Americans, they work all the day, all day, all week. They have no holidays, nothing whatsoever. And I don't think I've ever had as many holidays. <laughs> so a, so there's some rumors going around between on, on either side of the Atlantic. Oh, not right. everything
0: is true that you hear. Oh, <laughs> I think that's a great. Great words to close this uh, <laughs> this interview. Marcus. Actually, no,
1: the great ways to close, I wrote them down, are from Saint Nicholas, because today Uh-oh. is sixth of December, and he yes. said the greatest gift you can give someone is your time and attention.
2: Oh yeah, I oh, like it. Yeah. Well, thank you,
0: Marcus. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Marcus Birkencrow. Thank you very much, and thank everyone for listening to the Career Pathways Podcast. Uh, as always, you know we will be. Uh, coming every week with a new and fascinating guest. Uh, Always people ask, where can you find the Career Pathways podcast? From way, way, way in the distant, producer Jason, where can they find it? percent of so it's as much uh that's killed there you have it you hold know, on did. this is on video as well oh yes yeah yeah you're, you're gonna be a star oh, yeah. all right so I should, have, with, I should have dressed up you did you went full arkansas, arkansas. Yes. <laughs> please note all right well that uh, uh th- it's Pat Lynch saying goodbye
2: Gavin Brunson
0: all right well thank you Marcus you're welcome This broadcast is sponsored in part by Lion College and by Kilt Studios.